me ask you a question to start tonight. Who is your favorite, this is going to be kind of weird with camp on my mind, who is your favorite superhero? Jesus is my superhero. What, let me ask you, classroom participation, classroom participation, what do superheroes do? They win. I like that, except it's coming from a non-winning x-ray vision. They save people. What did you say? They, they fight villains. I like that. If you're Captain America, you get first place. Can we all agree? We're all good, Tyler. Can we all agree this, that superheroes fight bad guys? Yes. Chris asked me before service tonight, he said, you've seen the new Batman, right? And I'm like, I know, super, superhero fail. I haven't. I haven't seen it at all. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the new, I'm not a huge fan of Batman things. Um, nothing against a team called Batman, but, okay, uh, next question, and this is all going to tie in, I think. Um, how many people have ever watched a show that goes by the name of the Kardashians? That show is so cool. Hi, I'm Kim. I'm Kim Kardashian. I'm Chloe. Why do people watch that show? It is so dumb. It is so dumb. Here's why I think people watch it. I've asked people. I've actually never watched one episode. Um, I've like been flipping channels before and it comes on. And as soon as that like high pitched hits my ears, I just want to like cut my ears off, and so I'm like, hey, change the channel. Are they sucking helium the entire time? Um, but here's what I asked. I asked somebody, why on earth do you watch the Kardashians? And they said, the drama, okay? Is there a lot of drama on this show, I guess? people, And I guess their fights are super epic, like these crazy Kardashian girls and their husbands and boyfriends and, and their father and mother, they just yell at each other and throw things, and then at the end, they all go out to like a $9,000 dinner, Okay. That's like the Kardashian, that, and that's one episode, and it has the highest rating of any episode. You know what I mean? Um, so tonight, we are going to look at a story. We've been in the Old Testament all summer long, um, and uh, we are going to look at a story that has a lot of dramatic justice. Okay, have I set it up epic enough? Um, there is some drama involved, and there's this bad guy and this good guy, um, and there's a really, really cool story that ends really gnarly, like 300 style, okay? Uh, if you have your Bible, you need to open it up to 1 Kings chapter 18. Um, if, you have, if you don't have your Bible, uh, bring it. We are always in the Bible at Refuge. That's kind of what we do here. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about the Bible. Um, and the Kardashians and superheroes are just stuff we use to illustrate Jesus, um, and make people laugh about stupid girls. Uh, here's the setup of the story, okay? A couple books ago in the Bible, in 1 Samuel, the Israelites, okay, and we've talked about them in Refuge before, the Israelites are like, <sighs> Samuel, okay, Samuel's the prophet. He's, they say, Samuel, not Kardashian, let's act like the, the Israelites are Kardashians. Samuel. All the other nations 
Let's have kings. We want a king. <laughs> I know, that's annoying, right? They say, we want a king. All these other nations have a king. We want a king. And God says, you don't want a king. I've set it up to where I'm your king. I'm your Lord. I am sovereign over you. You are the Israelites. You are my people. And they say, no, we want a king. And so God says, you know what? Fine, Samuel, give him a king. And that starts the reign of a lot of kings. And if you read the Bible in the Old Testament, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st uh, Kings, 2nd Kings, you'll see all these different kings go up. They serve for this many years. There's like a 13-year-old king who's 13 here. Who's 13? Anybody 13? You, yeah, Aaron. You could be, you could be king. Right? Can you imagine like Tyler? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Tyler's sitting on his throne. Hi, how you doing? Die! Uh, <laughs> I would never want to be under your dominion. Um, seriously, there's like a 13-year-old king. There's all these different kings, and they keep falling. And it always, it, it'll say, he loved the Lord. And then a few chapters later, it'll say, and he fell away and, and started doing what the Lord did not want him to do. And so you have all these king after king after king after king until 1 Kings chapter 18, we meet this new king. And his name is Ahab. Look at your neighbor and say, Ahab. Ahab. The Bible says that Ahab is the most wicked king that Israel's ever had. Ahab is a bad guy. He marries this girl named Jezebel, okay? Uh, if you ever want to just make your daughter's life miserable, name her Jezebel, okay? Uh, if you know a Jezebel, don't ever tell her I said that. Um, but if you ever, I mean, th- this is like notorious girl name in the Bible of bad news, okay? Um, so he marries this girl named Jezebel, and all throughout his kingdom, he worships and promotes the worship of Baal. Say Baal. Baal. Spelled very weird. A lot of people have different ways of saying it. B-A-A-L, okay? Baal, Baal, Baal. I don't know how you would say it, but I say Baal, like, because that's, it's like an epic fail. Baal, I don't know. Um, That was on the spot, lame. Uh, So God sends this prophet, Elijah, okay? Any Elijahs in the room? Elijah? Where's Elijah Pittman? Yes. God sends Elijah, okay? And Clay. That's right. Your real name's Elijah. He sends Elijah, okay? And here's Elijah's goal. I want you to go preach the kingdom of God. I want you, there's this worshipers, all these worshipers of Baal and this wicked King Ahab who has nothing to do with what Jesus wants, nothing to do. Him and his wife are promoting the worship of Baal. I want you and I want you to go set it all straight. You are the avenger and this darkness known as the, is the, the nation of Israel at the time. So Elijah is so sick of everyone. I mean, this dude's passionate about God. He's, a, he's kind of like one of those, you guys know what, like John the Baptist? You guys know how he like dressed really crazy and he like ate locusts for lunch. You know what I mean? Like this guy's crazy. That's Elisha, okay? Think of Micah older, okay? Like Micah older. I, I do. When I read Elisha and John the Baptist, I think of uh, when Micah has this really gnarly beard going on and the dreadlocks as long as they could go and then he like takes the head off a grasshopper for lunch, okay? Um, that's Elisha. Very strange but very passionate about the kingdom of God and so he is this avenger this 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 superhero to this really wicked land right now of Israel under the rule of King Ahab and here's where it gets dramatic okay Uh, Elijah is sick of all these people and he says to them he says man I want to prove that God is awesome and the, that Baal is nothing. Baal doesn't exist. Baal is a false god that you've kind of made up and worship, but he can't come through for you. He can't do anything for you. And I want to prove that. God, would you let me prove that? And so he goes up to Ahab and he says, Ahab, I want you to get 850 of your people. And I want you to meet me at this place called Mount Carmel. 
And I've been there. I've stood there. I've been to Israel and I've been there. And it's so weird when you read this story. You're like, whoa, this is crazy. This is where this thing happened. And he says, and this is an epic duel that happens. He said, I want 850 Baal worshipers and I'm going to be here. And we're going to see whose God is real. That's where, like, the Kardashian drama comes in because it's like, dun, 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 epic battle, no $9,000 dinner afterwards. That's the only difference. And so this is kind of a a, a big, huge, my dad can beat your dad up story. You know what I mean? He's saying your false God is nothing. The true God, the one true God will prove himself on Mount Carmel. So meet me there if you want to see it happen. That's basically what he calls him out to. And so this huge thing happens. And before, usually what we do is we read a story in Refuge. If you're new, here's what we normally do. Read a story, we talk about it a little bit, and then we kind of drop this big, and like hopefully you're like blown away, okay? That's the goal. Um, but that's what we want to do in the beginning of tonight's talk. I want to kind of give you why I am pers- I'm, I'm, I'm teaching this tonight. You guys are, some of you went back to school a couple of days ago. Most of you are going back to school in four days or five days. And it's very, very significant, we believe, that you are walking, and if you come to refuge enough, you will hear this over and over and over again. You are walking in one of the greatest mission fields where there's a lot of Baal worshipers. And they don't worship maybe a false god they call Baal, but there's a lot of false god worshiping happening with some of your best friends. And so we want to look at a story where a guy steps up and he says, I want to prove that my God is the real deal and your God will never satisfy you. So here's the, the, the application question I want all of us to think about. And I'm thought about this, man. Today when I'm at my computer and I'm just praying through this message and I'm looking over 1 Kings 18, I'm thinking, man, is this true for me? Look around the screen. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself. Are you passionate about the true God, the only true God, the one true God, the creator of the universe, the stars you see, he made them, he knows their name. He's the only God, the one true God. Are you passionate about that God, like Elisha was. And we're going to look at how he was in a minute. But I want to, as we're doing that, I want you to be asking that question. Refuge sermons, sermons by Pastor Vance, Pastor Travis, maybe your small group time. It's pointless if you don't start pushing the finger in your own life and saying, man, is this true for me? Not, uh-huh, yeah, amen, cool, I went to church, I, I did my mom a favor, and now I'm out. We want this stuff to really sink deep, especially as you go and you walk in five days where thousands of people don't know the Lord. Thousands of people right now are Baal worshipers. They don't call themselves that, but we know they're worshiping something that will never satisfy. So are we as passionate about that one true God as Elisha was? So if you have your Bible, I already asked you to open to First Kings chapter 18. I'm going to be in verse 20. It's going to be on the screen. Um, again, we don't want you to be looking on the screen as much as we want you to be looking in your own Bible, making notes in your own Bible, but I'll read it for you. First um, Kings chapter 18, remember, he just called this huge epic battle. The bad guys versus the good guy on Mount Carmel. Here's what it says in verse 20 of First Kings 18. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. So the, the battle has begun. And Elisha came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. So he's saying, hey, stop going back and forth. Stop playing in the middle of the road. Are you going to worship Baal or are you going to worship the true God? Then Elisha said to the people, I, even I only, and, and the 
and left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. And the other 400 guys come in. They're, they were worshipers of a different weird God that never satisfied also. So 450 of those guys, 400 of the other guys. Let two bowls be given to us. And let them choose one bowl for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood. Back in the day, they thought that they had to sacrifice. You know, the, the way that they atoned for their sins is they would cut up animals. And they'd put them on these, these big wood altars and they would burn them. That's how it worked. So he's saying there's two bulls. You're going to take one, and I'm going to take one. There's two cows. You're going to take one, I'm going to take one, and we're going to see what God comes through. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. To fight. It's good versus evil. And so I made a little representation of what the altar might look like by using my kids' toys. By the way, my kids are doing great. Avery turns one years old tomorrow, if you can believe that. I brought a picture. There you go. There's a picture. How perfect is my daughter? I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, She turns one year old tomorrow. That's insane. Um, So here's the altar, and check out her little stuffed animal. There's the bull. I know it's really sad. We're going to cut that into pieces and burn it. But uh, we're really not going to do that. Um, that'd be cool if I set it up to where fire fell from the ceiling and consumed the whole thing. Uh, but that's not what I'm going to do. So that's the picture. Okay. I want you to try to visualize this. This is the picture. There's seriously a huge wood structure and there's these two cows and Elijah says, you take one, I take one. You're going to cut it up. You're going to prepare the sacrifice. You're going to set that deal on the wood and whatever. And we're going to call upon your God and the true God, the only true God is going to make fire fall from the sky and burn the whole thing up. Then you'll know who is the true God. And so I'll sum up the story. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but Baal's prophets prepare the altar. So they cut this sucker up. You know, they do the whole thing, and they're like, okay, man, you guys ready, man? This is cool. Baal's going to come through. It's going to be so awesome. And then they start going. And the Bible says they start crying out, Baal! They start doing dances around it. You know, they're just chilling. I'm like doing a hardcore dance around it. That's the only dance I know. Um, And they're doing the whole thing. And and then the Bible says they're like, God, Baal, come down. The thing's ready. We're ready. Hello, Baal, 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 Baal. And then Elisha's sitting back. I, I, don't, I don't know. Again, I just picture Micah. I don't know how else to picture. He's just sitting back like reading some, you know, novel. And uh, he looks up and he says, huh, sacrifice is still there. Doesn't seem to be any fire. And this is in the Bible. And you can read it. And I'm not gonna, it's just too long to read the whole thing. But he says, maybe, maybe, maybe your God fell asleep. Maybe, Baal, maybe Baal's napping. And then he says, and this is in the Bible, this is stuff you can't make up, and this is why if you think the Bible's lame, like I did back before I became a Christian, I read it, and I'm like, dude, the Bible's really funny, it like tells jokes in it. It says, it says uh, maybe, maybe your God is relieving himself, meaning he's taking a number two, okay? Maybe Baal is, is just busy, he just went to the bathroom, he's got a magazine, he's going to be a while. Uh, keep going. And so they start freaking out. Oh my gosh, this guy's mocking us. Bail! Bail! They start taking all their clothes off, real stuff. They start cutting themselves. The Bible says blood is spilling all over the place. These people are desperate. Imagine 850 weird naked people dancing around an altar, cutting themselves, screaming at the top of their lungs for a God who isn't real. Save us, Bail. Show us you are the true God. Silence. Nothing. Then Elijah says, come here. He sets up his own altar. He prepares it. Looks the same at first. And then, for whatever reason, 
he grabs boulders. These are my boulders. And he sets up 12. I only have four. It's a scaled model. He sets up 12 to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. To continue to showcase God is who he says he is. And these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And he digs a big trench around it. And then these guys take water, gallon and gallon after water, after water, after water, and fill the trench. So like this huge epic thing, there's this big piece of wood and all these humongous boulders and ping pong paddles don't do it. I'm talking huge boulders. I don't know the biggest boulder you've seen, that kind of boulder. Takes a bunch of dudes to walk up and so maybe he had the bail guys help him. Hey, help me set this boulder up before I show you up right now, okay? And then I'm gonna dig the trench and all this water and hey, no, no, go back, get more water, get more water, get more water. Okay, boom, it's set. The whole scene. And then in 1 Kings chapter 18, 36 is where we're going to read. And at that time, and at the time of the offering, Elisha the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham. You, gotta, you just got it. This is like, I mean, as epic as it gets. These guys, they're, they're literally bleeding all over the place. They have just fallen short. Something went wrong. Their God wasn't listening. And now Elisha set up this whole thing and he says, O God, the God of Abraham. Isaac and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. All these things at your word, oh, and, and I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord consumed the burnt offering fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. Just imagine this huge epic thing, and then God's fire comes screaming down, and there's nothing left. It's gone. I'm talking the rocks. I'm talking every lick of water. I'm talking all the wood is now just sawdust that's just kind of settling and falling, and all the people are just like, your God came through. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces again. They're not just chilling. They're bloodied. They've just cried out to a God who's not real. And they fall on their faces and say, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elisha said to them, this is where it gets 300. It's like, what is happening? Seize the prophets of Baal. Not one, let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. What the heck is happening? I mean, I hope, maybe, I just have a crazy imagination. That is literally the most crazy, epic battle story in the Bible, in my opinion. I'm like, dude, God just showed that he seriously is boss. That is insane. And here's why we tell you that story. So we can walk away and say, dude, that's cool, man. The Bible talks about, like, false gods going to the bathroom. And, like, God was really cool and, like, did this really cool thing that you could, like, see in a video game. And then, like, all these people were slaughtered, 850 of them. That's not why we tell that story. Are you that passionate? And am I that passionate about God? Not only are we that passionate, do we ever take God up? Could you imagine? I mean, dude, Elisha is 
totally laying his life on the line because he set up this huge thing. Not only did he mock him, but he mocked him again by getting the altar even more crazy with the trenches and the boulders and all this kind of stuff. Can you imagine how much this guy trusted God? How much this guy knew? No, this is real. Everything I believe, it's not just stuff I say at church. It's not just stuff I say at my school or with my family because I know they want to hear that. Or when my dad sits down to read the Bible with me, I go, yeah, dad, I know all that stuff. Or when Micah or my small group leader or, or, or somebody here from stage or when they ask me those questions, I go through the motions. No, no, no. That's not what we see in Elisha. We see a dude who is so passionate and trusts God so much to be who he says he is that he literally lays his entire reputation as a prophet of God, his entire life on the line. He, I mean, he mocks these people. And I was broken at my computer today when I said, man, am I that passionate? God, as I challenge students with this tonight, they're getting ready to walk in the doors of a bunch of people who would never set up a, 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 a fall, you know, an altar and say that there's some weird God out there. Maybe we're, we're, we've evolved as people and we're a little past that, but I promise you, we, even us as Christians, maybe you're not here and you're not a Christian, you are maybe chasing a bail. Whatever that is, man, that is a relationship with that person. That is your reputation. That is as much money as you can get. That is sex. That is fashion. That is anything you want to call it that you think will satisfy you. That's every Friday night, man. School starting. I remember before I was a Christian, hey, here's what school meant. School meant, because we didn't have Facebook and all that kind of stuff, so I didn't know where the parties were. So, man, school meant, man, I know every week on Friday somebody's going to tell me where that party is. And I'm going to see those red cups filling up, and I can't wait because that's my whole life. And guess what? That bail never satisfied me. Ever, ever, ever. And if anyone tells you that that bail satisfies, they're just still in the process of seeing that it's not going to satisfy. There's leaders all around you that can attest to that, and you can attest to that. Maybe it wasn't the Friday nights. Maybe it wasn't the red cups at the parties. But maybe it was that relationship, or maybe it was that self-image, or maybe it was that insecurity when you look in the mirror and you think, why am I not what I want to be? And you do everything under the sun, including hurting yourself, making yourself throw up, cutting yourself, whatever it might be, and you think, if I could just arrive at this place, and guess what? It's a bail, and that place is always going to remain silent, just like Baal did. You can cry, you can cut yourself, you can let it all out and say, God, where are you? This false God, insecurity, this perfect image, this whatever, where are you? And guess what? The, offer, the offering stays there untouched. It won't ever satisfy you. So for you, what bail are you worshiping? What bail do you set the altar up for and you think this is going to get me somewhere? And are we as passionate about the true God? Do we trust him and do we call on him as, as, as crazy as Elijah was to call on him? And it, it, was, it was make or break. Either this fire falls from heaven or my whole reputation, everything about my life is failing. I promise you, you do that, God is going to come through. He's a God who makes promises, and he's a God who keeps promises. But not only that, you guys are going back to school. And here's what I was challenged with. There's a lot of Baal worshipers in my life, but for whatever reason, it doesn't bother me. Oh, man, they'll get there one day, man. Yeah, that's my crazy friend. Yeah, man, they're just crazy, man. They're, some of us even say this. Oh, man, yeah, they just need to get saved. Yeah, they do. But instead of sitting around and laughing about it, Baal, or Elijah says, no, man, I'm so passionate. I'm going to call a huge epic battle. 
And I'm going to say, man, you need the gospel. You need God. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you that God is powerful. And at the end of the story, you're going to see that God is powerful. And these people bow down and they say, you are worshiping the true God. So maybe this school year, you need to, you need to and even before you jump back into the school year, you need to get away from these bales in your life. But not only that, maybe you need to fight for your friend's freedom. Maybe you need to stop being so silent about the true God that you know and start telling them, you don't understand, you are worshiping something that will never satisfy you. And I don't have all the answers, but I know somebody who does. And I want to, I mean, I want to have you talk to somebody, man, have them talk to your small group leader, bring them to refuge. Sometimes I know you can't get the words, you can't get the words, you like freak out, like what am I supposed to say to my friend? Just tell them you love them and you want them to check something out because you love them that much. So here's what I want us to do, and we're going to do something here in just a minute that is a little different, but I want you guys to bow your heads for a minute. I want us to just think about this for a second. This is a lot of stuff, I know we just kind of tackled a bunch of stuff. But before the band comes up, Some of you went back to school already. Some of you go back in five days. Some of you are getting ready to go to a totally different city and state to go to college. It is good to process this stuff and to think about it. The first question is, are you a Jesus follower? If you're not, hey, that's cool. I'm going to get to you in just a minute. But if you would say, I tonight am a Christian, I walked in the door as a Christian, this story was cool, man, I'm fired up. I'm going to read to you a passage of scripture that I guarantee you've heard before. But you are going to get so sick of hearing it over the next, next six months in refuge, because it is everything we are majoring on. Here's what it says, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I am with you to the end of the age. This is one of the last things Jesus says to his disciples. He says, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and do what I just did for for you for the last three years. I want you to go and I want you to talk about this stuff. I want you to teach people that I am who I say I am. I want you to Go into your world. It's not the pastor's job. It's not your small group leader's job. It's the disciple of Jesus. So if you'd say, I'm a Jesus follower, guess what that makes you? A disciple of Jesus. It says, go. It's your mission. It's not the church's mission. It's not Scott's mission. It's not your small group leader's mission. It's a Christian's mission. So if you're a Jesus follower, what is going to make this school year different? Some of you are walking into high school. You were in junior high last year, so it's a lot of change for you. Some of you guys are jumping into college. That's going to be a whole lot of change for you. What is going to make this school year different than last school year? Because if you just cruise control into it, thinking, man, I know a couple of Bible stories. I know John 3.16. I'm good. Baal is going to be in your face the first day of school if he isn't already. Does sin bother you as a Christian? Be asking yourself these questions as I'm giving them. Does sin bother you? When you see your friends caught up in a whole bunch of stuff that's damaging to to themselves, damaging to their future, does it bother you? Does it make you angry? Not at your friend, but at the sin behind it. We live in a culture that's way too tolerant of sin. As Christians, we just want to love people. Yeah, we want to love people. We want to hate their sin. 
We want to be intolerant to the things that are destroying their lives. Are you a seeker? Maybe you're not a Christian. Are you seeking a relationship with God? Those Baal worshipers, they were seeking something. They didn't know what yet, but they, man, they wanted Baal to come through that day. On Mount Carmel, they were seeking to, to, that their God might be proved right. So here's what I say to you seekers. Keep looking. And if you come to refuge, I promise you, we're going to show you the answer every single week you're here. But keep looking. Keep seeking. People can call on false gods all day long. They can chase those desires. They can chase those things. But it'll never come unless it's through Jesus. And I've shared with you guys my story before, but that's what I did for seven months. October of 2003, my friend invited me to church, or 2002, excuse me. My friend invited me to church for the first time and never walked in the doors of a church. I sat in the back like maybe some of you guys are doing right now. For seven months, somebody told me that Jesus was the only thing that could satisfy me. And I walked out of there and I was cussing up a storm and I was like, yeah, that's cool. I like the music, but you know, whatever, chasing this, chasing that, chasing this, chasing that. But I kept coming because the music was really cool. And then I met some cool people. And then seven seven months later, I had a, a Mount Carmel moment. Where I realized, oh my gosh, God is seriously who he says he is. And I surrendered my life seven months later. So maybe you're seeking, keep seeking, but keep seeking here. I I challenge you to keep coming here. I challenge you to to maybe you're going to be just like me and you're going to sit for a little bit and you're just going to soak it in. But I promise you, God will keep his promises because that's what he does. Everyone go ahead and look up here for just a minute. Band, you guys can come up. As you leave tonight, I want you to be thinking about this stuff, man. You guys are, I remember what it was to start school. It's crazy. There's a lot on your mind. You got new classes, new friends, new teachers, new clothes. I don't know, new whatever. Some of you guys are in new school if you're going into high school. And here's what I want you to know. Some things are changing in refuge. And I'm really excited about it. I'm more excited about what's happening in the next few months and years in this ministry than anything I've ever been excited about. It's going to be all centered around what we just talked about, centered around there's one true God, and he's called us to make disciples and teach people about Jesus and baptize them. So people are giving their lives to Christ. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. People are being discipled. But here's, here's kind of how we're going to do that real quick, and then we're going to sing a couple more songs. We're going to go to the park. At the demand of a lot of you and... Um, and just a better strategy. Here's kind of starting September 9th. And we're going to unpack all this uh, on, on September 4th, which that's why we said, man, you got to be here. It's going to kind of be a vision night for where we're going, man. We are fired up about where God has been leading us. And uh, it's going to be an amazing, amazing semester. Um, so September 4th, don't miss it. But here's the deal. September 9th, it's a Sunday. Uh, we're going to have refuge, okay? We're going to have refuge back on Sunday, but it's going to look different. It's going to start at 5. Okay, you're like, what? That's my nap time. It's cool. It's going to start at 5, and it's going to go till 6.10. It's going to be much shorter. One an hour and 10 minutes, because we've got to flip this whole room, make it kid-friendly, and then jump over there and have church for our adults and our kids right here. So it's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. It's going to make you guys get up and stack some chairs and, and get behind us and serve. It's going to be great. But on the 9th of September, we switch back to refuge on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. We'll communicate all this. We'll send you text and email. But it's just going to be a service. 
It's going to be worship, teaching, announcements, and then just like we do in the summer, we're going to say, hey, stack some chairs, go over there to church with us if you want. Peace out. We'll see you next week. Because we want to create a place for the Scott Worthingtons of the world that would never, ever step into a small group. Like, I'm telling you, if my friend who invited me to church said, hey, we're going to go to this church, here's what we do. We sit in the back of the room, and then we go into this group, and we talk about Jesus with, like, 10 people. I'd be like, see you never. No way. So we want to create an environment on Sundays where you can bring anybody. It doesn't matter how far away they are from God, how far, man, that person will never become a Christian. Bring them on Sunday. Dare God to be God. And then on Tuesday evenings, which we are right now, we're going to have small groups. We're going to come here. It's not going to be the music. It's not going to be the bling. There's not going to be anything. You're going to come here. You're going to walk into your classroom with your small group leader. You're going to have a designated time to just sit and be discipled under the word of God under your small group leaders. Maybe you're like, dude, two nights a week? Yeah. We give a lot more nights a week to a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. So if you can be a part, I know some of you guys are sports and stuff. I understand that, man. We want you to be on your sports teams. We want you to be evangelizing your, your friends. We want all that. But how we're going to strategize is there's going to be an evangelistic service here on Sunday nights where we're going to preach the gospel every week and we're going to hopefully see a lot of people who would never walk into a church come to church, come to refuge, and give their lives to Christ. And then on Tuesdays, then you want to go deeper, you want to grow in your faith, you want to be discipled, join a small group. Some of you guys are already in one. And we'll walk you through a discipleship process and we'll see you mature in your faith. So that's kind of what's coming up. And again, September 4th, we're going to lay out a whole lot more, a lot of different strategy, a lot of different cool events we're going to be doing coming up to reach your friends. Um, But that is something you guys need to know over the next couple weeks as we keep communicating it. On September 9th, Refuge happening here, 5 p.m. All right? Give me a thumbs up if you're all good with that. All right, I want you guys to go ahead and stand up. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a couple more songs. You guys will be done for the evening. Jesus, thank you for, uh, God, thank you that you are exactly who you say you are. That, God, you do not need to be proven, but, God, when we put you to the test, God, you come through as the only true God. God, when we just rest our entire weight on you like Elisha did, God, you show up. I pray you'd show up for students as they try you, as they say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, God, I'm going to challenge what Scott said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you no matter what. I'm going to take risks. God, I pray you would use these students to change entire junior high and high schools. That God, these students would be Elisha's to their friends. So Lord, as we worship right now, would we just look to you for who you are? Would we just lift our hands, lift our voices? God, you're awesome. And we say thank you for what you're doing in the life of this ministry. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.